One of my favorite Proverbs is found in Proverbs chapter 17. It says that a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. That's a good proverb. If there was ever a poster child of God's kingdom for that particular Bible verse, it was a name, a man by the name of Tychicus, or Tychicus, depending upon our pronunciation. Tychicus, whose name really means chance, was the Apostle Paul's faithful friend to the end. He was one of the truly unsung heroes of the first century church. Paul indeed was quite fortunate to play off of his name to have this man by his side in ministry. Even as our text at the end of Ephesians chapter 6 very ably points out to us. However, rather than a mere chance, it was Christ. Again, more than sheer luck, it was the fact that Tychicus himself was in the Lord that accounted for why this man was quite useful to the Apostle Paul during his, well, multiple imprisonments, as we come to see in the Scriptures. And further, it accounts for why Tychicus is set apart as a sterling example, though often overlooked example, for our own sacrificial service to Jesus Christ as the Lord of the church today. Now, with Bibles open, I want you to take note with me that in the text, at the end of the book of Ephesians, Paul gives two constituent parts to his closing. There is first Paul's personal concern expressed for the Ephesian believers and his glowing commendation of his loyal friend Tychicus, which is found in verse 21 and 22 of Ephesians 6. And then secondly, that we'll come to in a couple of weeks' time, is Paul's great blessing or even benediction, a prayer of blessing and peace and grace upon this prominent Asianic community. That's found in Ephesians 6, 23 and 24. But today I want to limit the focus of our study upon the first part of this final greeting. And again, consider an important question for you and for me today, namely this. Is your life or mine, is your service or my service both in and to the church one of constant encouragement? And one of useful preoccupation with the cares and the concerns of Christ and his people. Are we, maybe just a little bit, like Tychicus? Well, let me ask you as we get started this morning, who's your go-to guy? Who is your go-to guy? Do you have one? Who's that guy or gal in your life that you know you can call or turn to when you need something very important, even something quite urgent done and done right and done well? Who's your phone a friend? What are the qualities or characteristics that go into making up such a constitution in a particular friend? Words like dependable come leaping to mind, or responsible, maybe a reliable person, a considerate or thoughtful person, a man or woman who's a person of integrity. These are all some of the characteristics that come to mind, a trustworthy friend, a faithful friend. These are characteristics that were true of Tychicus. 
Who is your go-to person when you need a helping hand, when you are in a pit pinch, or when you're stuck in a rut? Do you have someone? Well, again, for the Apostle Paul, Tychicus was just such a man. And yet, for many of you, perhaps this morning, this may be the first time that you are actually even noticing his name in the Bible at all. And that's unfortunate. There's so much that we can learn, and will in fact learn about this man and his Christ. Now, before we turn to think about the man, Tychicus, I think we should first consider the man's mission, which is mentioned here in verses 21 and 22 of Ephesians chapter 6. Observe with me, with eyes on the text in Ephesians 6 verse 21, how Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these words. So that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Now, notice that it appears that Paul has entrusted to Tychicus a very important mission. Namely, he was to carry the contents of the letter to the Ephesians and to carry news about Paul personally and his condition and his concerns for the church back to the city of Ephesus. That's Tychicus's mission. In fact, three times I noted in my study this week that Paul says in verse 21, so that you also may know how I am. Second part of verse 21, so that you may know what I'm up to. And in verse 22, I've sent this brother to you for this express purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. I think a point could be made that gospel relationships matter in the church. Paul might be an early church megastar, but he viewed himself as no more important than the common person in the pew in Ephesus. He wanted the people in Ephesus to know how he was because he loved them fiercely. Of all the things I've learned from Paul, the thing I treasure the most is his love for the church. I pray that I have the same love for Jesus' church. Well, Tychicus' mission was about more than simply updating the church about Paul's condition in prison. His mission was ultimately about building the church up through the ministry of God's word. Pastor Tony Moreta says here, in many ways, Tychicus does what every missionary, preacher, evangelist does. He spreads the word and encourages the saints. Tychicus was fundamentally on a mission of encouragement via exhortation in Ephesus. He wanted to build the people of God up by sharing the word of Christ. Now, significantly, this isn't the only place that we read about this remarkable Man, as he dedicatedly and devotedly carried Paul's mail around the first century churches. In fact, over in Colossians chapter 4, please turn with me, if you will, to Colossians 4, verses 7 through 9, we find additional clues as to the character of this friend, quite a fortuitous friend of Paul, by the name Tychicus. Colossians 4, verse 7 through 9 reads this way, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. 
He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with Onesimus, you know, the former runaway slave of Philemon that we read of later, our faithful brother, faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will tell you everything that has taken place here. There's news from the front going back to God's people. Now, friends, scholars suggest that Tychicus himself very likely was from the city of Ephesus. Therefore, he had a personal stake in the emotional condition of the people who loved and were concerned about Paul. Maybe you see some of his reason for stepping up to the plate on this particular mission. Now, to this point, Acts chapter 20 and verse 4 The first place that we come to learn of Tychicus in the New Testament, the historian Luke, Dr. Luke, includes Tychicus in a list of traveling companions with the Apostle Paul on their way to supply financial support back to the impoverished church in Jerusalem. Dr. Luke records it this way, Acts 20, verse 4, So Peter the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. Well, the point is that for more than a decade, this Christian convert from Asia Minor, again, this is Tychicus we're referring to here, this region that included both Ephesus and Colossae, this region that we would refer to today as the modern state of Turkey, he traveled and ministered with Paul and his closest associates. He was one of Paul's dearest friends. Wherever Paul preached, be it in the streets or from behind bars, Tychicus was in view. He was faithfully present to the end. What a friend to have. Just a few years later, after Ephesians is written, we'll read Paul's last will and testament, the letter of 2 Timothy. And here, Paul, at the very end of his life, just moments before his own martyrdom, Paul will write these words to Timothy. 2 Timothy 4, verse 11, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Now again, evidently, friends, Paul dispatched what we commonly call the prison epistles, that is Ephesians and Colossians and Philemon at minimum, to these congregations in the capable, compassionate, even Christ-like hands of Tychicus. His mission was to bring news of Paul's welfare and of the advancement of Christ's kingdom to the Ephesians and then on to Colossians and then finally to Philemon. He was a man on a mission and his mission was encouragement. Tychicus, as one writer observed, was God's postman, bearing important news and divine instruction aimed at encouraging worried and wearied Christians. I would love for a Tychicus to arrive for us here at Trinity in Blandon and give us a word of encouragement. By the way, we're never really told how Paul was or how Paul or what Paul was up to, are we? We don't have the contents of this oral report by this man Tychicus. We do know from the book of Acts, chapter 28, 
verses 30 and 31, the very last verses of the book of Acts, a sense of what Paul was up to, we read here, and I consider these verses in Acts uh, 28 to be the context in which Ephesians was written. We are told by Dr. Luke that Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I don't know what I would be doing or you would be doing in prison, but that's what Paul was doing in prison. He was preaching Christ and encouraging the church. Now, moreover, we gather from the book of Philippians, which was also written at the same time as these other letters that we're referring to, that Paul felt convinced in further even future ministry among the saints and confident in his imminent release from prison. We read about that in the book of Philippians. We know that God had prompted several congregations to share material blessings with Paul in his sufferings for Christ and for the gospel, such that the Lord was meeting Paul's most basic of needs as only a loving father can do. But we are not told how Paul is and what Paul's up to, which leads me to remind you that sometimes we don't get the answers to the questions we might want to ask of the Bible, and that's okay. What God wants us to know, he's put in black and white, and we need to keep our eyes on that. Well, Paul's challenging circumstances throughout this tumultuous time frame were God's providentially arranged assignments imparting vital lessons to his church. In other words, we learn a lot from Paul through his lips, but we learn just as much from Paul by watching his life. Three lessons rise above the rest before we come and focus on Tychicus. Lesson number one is that knowing Christ is the secret to earthly contentment. Paul says, I've learned to be, to abound, being well-fed or hungry, being well-clothed or naked. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Friend, listen to me this morning. Knowing Jesus is the only way to be satisfied on earth. Knowing Christ is the secret to earthly contentment. Secondly, we learn from Paul's life and preaching that preaching Christ is the task of every Christian. There's not a select group of super saints that are discharged with preaching the gospel. It is a task for every believer. Do you know Jesus? Then make him known. Preach Christ in season and out of season. Preaching Christ is every believer's duty. And then thirdly and finally, serving Christ And caring for one another is the obligation of each congregation. Knowing Christ, preaching Christ, and serving Christ emanated from the Apostle Paul's life and mission. Remember Paul's great burden throughout the body of the letter of Ephesians was that the church might believe and be transformed. Believe the gospel, but then live the gospel. Be transformed by the gospel. Knowing the gospel and doing the gospel, those are the two halves of Ephesians. And as Paul begins to wrap up this letter to the Ephesians, he places it in the hand of a living flesh and blood illustration of what he's written. A man by the name of Tychicus. A man who had believed the gospel and was now shaped by the gospel. Tychicus did not just bear the message... In letter form, he bore the message in his own form. He was a transformed man of God. Such should we be. 
Tychicus himself embodied and exemplified the very message that the Ephesians would read, that the Colossians would read. Oh, that we would be a people that when the world looks at us, they are reading the Bible. They are reading God's word. They are seeing Christ and him crucified. Oh, that we would be such people for Jesus. By the way, isn't this a great encouragement? That Paul wanted the people back in Ephesus to know what he was up to and how he was. Isn't that encouraging? Knowing that our faith in Christ draws us into a fellowship of the saints, of brothers and sisters who really care about us and who want to know what we're up to. That's the church. It's more than just an hour and a half on a weekend. It's an everyday reality, being a part of God's family. Love one another, the Bible says, repeatedly. How many times does that specific command, is that specific command given? This, just this week alone, I counted 13 times we are told as a church to love one another. Disinterest or disconnection is antithetical to true Christian living. We may not always like each other, but we are called to love each other. Encourage one another, the Bible says. If there was any word that aptly described the mission and man named Tychicus, it was the word encouragement. It shows up both in Ephesians 6 and Colossians 4. His mission was to encourage hearts. We are told, likewise, as believers, to encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. The writer of Hebrews famously states in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Where does encouragement rank on your list of priorities as an individual believer or for us as a church? How many Christians have seen their flame turn into a flicker all because they have forsaken the communion of the saints in the fellowship of the church? The quickest way to lose your light is to leave the heat of the church. Stay close and you'll stay hot for Jesus. We need one another in the church. So listen, the mission of the man Tychicus was a ministry of mercy and encouragement. He will tell you, Paul says, how we are and what we're up to in the Lord. Yet Tychicus was more than just a mailman. Really, he was a minister of the gospel, a minister of encouragement and a preacher of divine truth. And that's what I want us to focus on in the second half of today's message. Someone has so wonderfully stated the measure of our ministry is not the size of our salary, nor the count of our congregation, or the busyness of our schedules. But rather, it is whether we have proved to be faithful in believing and in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. The truth is that the mission of the church has been carried out for generations by thousands and thousands of relatively and largely unknown but still ever faithful Christian ministers. Men and women who the world does not know but heaven itself applauds. 
Tychicus, to use a brief baseball analogy, was more like a dependable middle relief pitcher than he was a starting pitcher or a clutch closer. I wrote this before last night's Phillies game. He was the Brad Hand in the bullpen of God's first century church. I needed to edit that this morning, but I failed to do so. I think it's fair to say that relief really was Tychicus's specialty, and I'll prove it to you. Out of the five direct references to this man's name in the New Testament, two come explicitly as relief appearances. In the book of Titus, for instance, we read in Titus chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis. Now, we're told explicitly, never told explicitly, that Tychicus was an elder, though it is evident to me that he had an elder's character. Evidently, Paul sent Tychicus over to Crete in order to spell Titus to come and visit Paul. And what do you think Tychicus did in relief of young Titus there on the island of Crete? Well, he very likely preached the gospel and cared for the church, the very work of an elder, be it the first century or the 21st century. He was, in a sense, an interim shepherd. Likewise, the verse that I've already alluded to from 2 Timothy chapter 4, in that verse it appears that a part of Paul's purpose in sending Tychicus to Ephesus was so that Timothy could come and likewise visit Paul. 2 Timothy 4 verse 12 and 13, Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus... When you, Timothy, come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. I wish we would have had some of these names uh, when we were naming our kids these days. Now, others have noted that it's possible, maybe even likely, to identify the unnamed brother that's mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 22, with Tychicus as well. Here, Paul says, and with them, here in the context, we understand that them is Titus and some unnamed famous brother. We are sending our brother, this is a third person, with whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. We don't know exactly who that was, but some suggest that that man is Tychicus in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 22. Surely the description fits this man's godly character and his ongoing interest in the affairs and well-being of the church. Well, as we begin to apply some of this passage to ourselves this morning, you might be wondering, how on earth can I apply Paul's Paul's farewell greetings to Ephesus to my life today? Well, there are ways to do so. What can we take away from this brief consideration of this man's trustworthy character and example? I mean, let's be honest— No one here will ever get the chance to spend the better part of a decade with the Apostle Paul or travel with Paul or travel on behalf of Paul serving as an interim pastor in Crete or in Ephesus. We may never be personally known and well-loved by a large and influential congregation like Tychicus was in Ephesus or Colossae or be faithful to the end of a man like Paul's ministry. And yet the same description that comes to us down in the pages of the Bible about Tychicus can be and ought to be true of us. The fact that Tychicus was a beloved brother. 
that he is described by Paul as a faithful minister. That over in Colossians, we are told that he is a fellow servant. All of that can be true of you because of the fourth quality that were mentioned. He was in the Lord. He was in the Lord. Isn't it the fact that we are found to be in Christ? That quality above all qualities that makes us useful to Christ? It is not the minister in the pulpit that you see, but the ministry of the Spirit that you don't see that ultimately makes all the difference. I am but a mere man. Your elders are just mere men. It is the Spirit of the living God that does the work. The contemporary pastor and writer Dane Ortland recently said, the reason why a servant is the most preeminent position in the kingdom of God is that the sole function of a servant is to give, and giving is the essence of God. Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you want to look like a king now, don't demand to be served, stoop to serve. That's leadership in God's economy. Have you ever noticed that the higher you rise up in true Christian ministry, from a biblical perspective at least, that the preferred title is servant, not boss or leader? Pastors matter. Godly elders and deacons and Sunday school teachers matter. We need good, godly role models in the church to follow now more than ever. But never forget that ultimately, friends, it is the character of Christ being lived out in a humble vessel that makes all the difference. Don't see me, see Christ. And so taking Ephesians 6 and Colossians 4 together is what we're going to do here for the final few moments. And considering the significance both for Tychicus and for each of us, I made up that name this morning, each of us, with regard to the, is these important biblical descriptions, what can we learn? Well, firstly, I want you to notice that believing in the Lord Jesus Christ gives each of us a family identity. Being in Christ means we are family through the Spirit. Paul says of Tychicus, he is a beloved brother. In the Greek, we read he is an agapetos adelphos. Agapetos adelphos. Don't forget what Paul has stated in Ephesians chapter 1. We are chosen and adopted in Christ. We are a spiritual family in the Lord. Belief in the gospel brings with it the bonds of God's family with all its rights and responsibilities. And we should emphasize the responsibilities more than we emphasize our rights. We have family ties in the household of faith. Now, Tychicus, it must be said here, was both positionally and experientially a beloved brother to the Apostle Paul. I wish I could have run with Paul. That would have been awesome. In the Lord and through the experience of apostolic service and ministry from Acts 20 all the way to 2 Timothy chapter 4, Tychicus and Paul had a friendship forged with the glue of gospel ministry. They were blood brothers 
both through faith in Christ and through the sweat of ministry. The reality is there is a bond, a brotherhood of Christian service that pastors especially know quite well. Shepherding and serving, teaching and caring for God's sheep is much like fighting in a war or working over a long career. It often makes people feel like a band of brothers. This is true. The fact is there are some guys that I can call and they know exactly where I'm at. Even without a lot being said because they've walked in my shoes. They understand the intensity of joys and sufferings in the service of Jesus Christ. Well, Tychicus was a beloved brother in that way, through the blood of Christ and the sweat of service before the saints to the Apostle Paul. Now, I submit to you that the same may be true of you as well. Now, of course, not everyone can or will be called into vocational Christian ministry. That is not the point. It is beside the point. However, every member is to be a minister of the gospel of King Jesus. There is no sideline in the church. We're all on the field. Are you a beloved brother or sister? Or are you an estranged relative? A cousin twice removed from on account of apathy and inactivity in the body of Christ. Nobody knows who you are. I doubt many of you apply in that way. But the gospel of Ephesians, as we've learned over the last several months, brings the blessings of Christ and the belonging to a new covenant community that is not optional for those who claim faith in Jesus Christ. We are His, and we belong both to Him and to His people. So we are beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord. What a beautiful truth. Now, secondly, in addition to being called a beloved brother, Paul also describes Tychicus and each one of us as faithful ministers by way of application. The Greek here is pistos diakonos, a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. It's a sad fact, but it's a fact nonetheless that many people want to be famous, but few people are content to be faithful A lot of people want to be well-known and well-loved, but they want to do it the easy way. As we stated, Tychicus was Paul's faithful and trustworthy comrade in Christ. He was likely quite a bit younger than the Apostle Paul was, and yet he was old faithful when it came to the ministry. It's likely that Tychicus was the kind of guy that Paul turned to to get the hard jobs done. He wasn't the sort of guy who jumped in at the mission trip opportunities to Hawaii or, and then sat on the sidelines when it came to serving uh, the soup uh, ministry down in the inner city of Ephesus. No, Tychicus was faithful in the small things. He was faithful in the hard things. He stepped up to the anonymous tasks and to the assignments that truly make the church move forward. God bless Tychicus and his kind. And here in God's providence and under God's inspiration, we see his name pop up in approval. He was a faithful minister in the Lord. And for every Tychicus that is named, there are a thousand others who aren't named, but are not forgotten 
by the Lord himself. Once again, we will not all be called minister here on earth. That title, minister, in the Bible Fellowship Church is reserved for those who are pastors, pastors in the church. And yet we are all called to minister for Christ in the church today. But listen carefully. It is not a title that makes one effective in the ministry. It is faithfulness to Christ, and it is a concern for the flock of God that makes one useful for Jesus. There are many people who bear a title, and they are ineffective. It is knowing Christ and loving his flock. We know that we will not all, even those of us who are called into vocational ministry, get our names in the news for drawing huge crowds or for reaching thousands of lost people. Not everyone will be heralded on earth. But you know what you will hear if you are faithful to the end? You will hear the voice of Jesus say, as Matthew 25 says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And that, my friends, I promise you this, will itself be reward enough. Don't settle for being famous on earth. Strive to be faithful on earth and you will be well known and famous in heaven. Faithfulness is the way to remembrance. God knows and sees all the little known, often overlooked, and seldom celebrated bits of service that you or I do for his glory. He sees, he remembers, and the Bible tells us he rewards those who serve him and those who love him. You don't have to have an office at the church to make an impact for Christ. So Tychicus, Paul writes, was a beloved brother, a faithful minister. And now from Colossians 4, we're given a third characteristic. He is also called a fellow servant with Paul in the Lord. A sandulas in curio. Fellow servant in the Lord Jesus. Now Tychicus, like Paul was ultimately a bondservant, a slave of Christ. Now, we've looked at that word earlier in Ephesians. But I take it here to understand that his aim in life was not about making a name for himself, but proclaiming a name that is Jesus. He was a fellow servant of that name. This man's sole mission was lifting up and building up the spirit of others through the living and abiding word of God. And and he came alongside of others. That's what encouragement is. The very word parakaleo means to come alongside of another. That is what Tychicus did. Someone has said that encouragement is like oxygen in the life of a local church. Without it, people will suffocate under the strain of ministry. Rather than criticism and nitpicking, we need to build each other up with words of life and words of encouragement. Keep criticism to yourself. Never offer a criticism to somebody else that you haven't first spoke to God. And I tell you, when you tell it to God, he's often going to tell you, keep it to yourself. Build one another up and so fulfill the law of Christ. Love each other with your words because words matter and words sting. I wonder, can the same be said of you or I this morning? We are called to be fellow servants in the Lord. 
So I wonder, do you regularly feel encouraged? Do people regularly feel encouraged when you're around? Or are you like Linus (laughs) with the wet blanket? I think that's Linus. And the dust cloud, I think that's Linus, maybe. One of those guys. Okay, it's okay. This is why I write my sermons out. Do, do people like, like for you to be around, or are you a wet blanket believer? That's, that's the question. That's the question. Do you build others up, or do you puff others up, or do you blow others up when you're around them? In both places, in Ephesians 6 and Colossians 4, we are expressly told by Paul that he sent Tychicus to these twin cities to encourage hearts. To encourage hearts. What a ministry it is to encourage hearts. Now, there have been several times and seasons over my 16 years of pastoral ministry where God in his sweet kindness has sent a special minister of encouragement to me. People may or may not have known that I needed it, but God did, and God sent it. These people have been an oasis in deserts of discouragement. They have spoken words of life and comfort and hope to a pastor who was ready to bail Thank God for those who encourage. I can think of two or three people immediately just over the past few years alone that have been such encouragements to me. Sometimes it comes in the form of a person. Sometimes it comes in the form of a podcast. Sometimes it comes in unexpected ways. I'll mention one man, a very, very new person in my life, a man by the name of Mark Crocco. He's an older semi-retired pastor now who is intent on seeing expository preaching advance in the kingdom of Jesus. And he shows up here from time to time. Through our regular interactions, Mark is so quick to offer a word of encouragement to a shepherd's heart that is still prone to fear and fatigue. I was driving back from the hospital on Thursday and my phone rang and it was Mark Crocco again. And he said these words, Pastor, I wonder if I could join those voices today on your phone that just want to offer you a word of encouragement. I hope I'm not the first. He was. But that's okay. I just needed one that day. You'll never know the impact that one word of encouragement can make to anybody around you. One word of encouragement. His encouragement was timely and deeply appreciated. Well, friends, I wonder this morning as we end, have you been on the receiving end of such sweet encouragement? If so, let me give you a few practical ways to apply this message. Number one, thank God for such people. And tell them as well that you appreciate them. If you have been on the receiving end of encouragement... You need to share that with others. Share it with the Lord and share it with somebody else. Thank God for them and then thank them for their ministry. Write a note, send a text, whatever you want to do. The ministry of encouragement makes a huge difference. And perhaps it made a big difference in you. 
But secondly, I wonder as well if you have recently been on the giving end of encouragement. Not everybody is particularly wired to be an encourager. We're not all wired the same way. But it doesn't take a whole lot to be a big encouragement. And friend, if you can't remember the last time that you were an encouragement to someone, if you can't remember the last time that you sent a note unsolicited, that you picked up the phone unprovoked, that you showed up unannounced or jumped in when somebody else was in trouble, I want to ask you to reconsider what your priorities are. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility count others' interests ahead of your own. Encouraging people struggle with being self-absorbed, but they are progressing through being self-absorbed. Keep your eyes on Christ, keep your eyes on others, and you won't have a whole lot of time to keep your eyes on yourself. That's a recipe for encouragement. Tychicus was just such a man. If you're struggling with that, if you want to be a better encouragement, ask the Spirit of God for help and open your eyes to a field ready to be encouraged. Are people not overwhelmed with discouragement today? I mean, people in your school, people in your neighborhood, people in your home need a word of encouragement. There is not a lack of encouragement for lack of opportunity. The opportunity abounds around us. In the end, I don't know what Tychicus would have aspired to be on his headstone or what he would be remembered for. I can't think, though, of a better epitaph over the headstone of my life and my ministry than what Paul penned about Tychicus. He is a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. What an aspiration. What a desire. What a man, but we don't keep our eyes on Tychicus. We immediately see Jesus in him. What a ministry that we are called to emulate. God, would you raise up a fresh generation of godly men and women who want to live and serve in that light in this church for your glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we're grateful uh, that such a few closing verses can contain such important truth for us. We just praise you, Lord. We thank you for the grace to share it today and receive it. Even more, Lord, we would pray for that grace of James 1, not to be hearers only, but to be doers of the word and to apply it by your Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for this incredible postman of grace and truth. Thank you for his life. Thank you for the multitudes of others that may have never gotten their name in the Bible or maybe even on some, uh, some BFC history books. But we can all think back on the men and women, Sunday school teachers and others that have made such a profound impact on us simply because they love Jesus and they loved us. Would we be such people that believe the truth of the Bible and then are transformed into encouragers? Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.